if there's one message that we can get out to the audience tonight, it's that you need to understand and take ownership for your lodge. Hello, brothers. This is Justin Jones with the Masonic Improvement Podcast. I'm joined here today with my junior co-host, Rat Marshal Dennis Yates. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And I'm just going to let you know uh, to my other, to my junior co-host, that uh, I I hold all the all the the swag tonight. So that means I I am the top guy in this group tonight. Mm. So you can't even you can't even go there. So, but it is, it is my extreme pleasure, my extreme pleasure to introduce our guest tonight. Now, if you think I'm controversial, you know, this guy wrote the book and I fell in love with him the first time I saw him at Grand Lodge on the podium and everybody was, was yelling back and forth at Grand Lodge over one of the resolutions. But that's just, that's just Kyle. We love debate. We're, we're, we're a lot alike in that manner. Though we we care passionately passionately about our Freemasonry and um, and but but the debate is always so. Without any ado, we'd like I'd like to introduce my my real good friend. I won't say best friend because I don't want to hurt your feelings, Justin. One of my best friends, Kyle Walquist. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I didn't realize that uh, we were doing the whole uh, bling contest tonight, or I would have uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, suited up a little bit more and and worn uh, my chest plate, but uh, yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. No, a- actually, we had a we had a master's uh, proficiency right before we came on, and that's that's why I'm dressed as I am yeah, because awesome. I I do what the DDGM is supposed to do, and I I show up, I suit up. I have a yep. I have a vest made out of gorilla chest that I would have wore if I knew <laughs> we were competing with one another. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm really glad that that we've set the bar for where this podcast is going. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, well, Kyle, tell us. Go ahead. No, no, Junior. Kyle, tell us a little bit about why you joined Freemasonry. When when did you join, and and why did you join Freemasonry? Yeah, so that's probably best answered with a little uh, background of myself. Um, I guess I'll start with with who I am and then how I got to who I am. Uh, so Kyle Walquist, I focus professionally in my career with inside marketing technologies. I'm a subject matter expert for one of the world's largest conglomerates of marketing agencies and marketing firms. Uh, I oversee kind of like thought leadership uh, for multiple agencies uh, and for some of the largest brands in North America and in the world. Uh, I, tro- I uh, uh, direct um, thought leadership for generally global campaigns and how to implement technology in the most effective way possible to get your message out with the least amount of dollars, which 
as you can see, plays big in a masonry. And part of that, uh, which we'll talk about, I'm <laughs> sure, through this is uh, I, I'm so experienced in because I had such a passion area in masonry and, and spent so much of my free time studying it uh, over the past 15 years. Um, but to the origin story of me and masonry, uh, I was interested in masonry about 16 or 17 years ago. Uh, I was a junior, senior at SMU uh, in Dallas, Texas. Um, I was studying philosophy, religious studies, political theory. And as I was entering my senior year, um, coincidentally enough, you know, National Treasure had just come out and, and the effects of that were kind of rippling through uh, our culture. Um, I was also hearing that a lot of the men that I was studying in, you know, 17th, 18th centuries uh, were Freemasons. And that meant nothing to me. I, I knew nothing about Freemasonry. Um, later found out that I had uh, a few generations back. My family was very strong in the organization and, and everybody but uh, like my great grandfather and the lineage had joined. There were multiple brothers at that level. Uh, they had all joined except for my great grandfather and nobody wow. joined after that effect. Um, and so didn't learn that until years later, but got interested in it. Uh, and started uh, trying to figure out what is it and if I was interested, how do I become one? Because so many of the uh, kind of scholars and philosophers and men that I was studying in, in political philosophy, uh, you know, early revolutionaries uh, were Freemasons. And in that, um, started reaching out to a lodge and trying to figure out how to do so. I think this will play into the larger conversation. So I'm going to share this little slightly humiliating moment. Uh, but you know, I started by just showing up at Lodge, thinking, oh, it's a business. I'll show up and somebody will be there. And mm -hmm. you'd be surprised. <laughs> There's a lot of guys who do this where they're just like, you know, I'll just show up on a, on a weeknight or I'll show up during lunch or around lunch and, and somebody will be at this organization and they can talk to me about it. And, uh, you know, now that I'm 15, 16 years on the flip side, I can talk through some of that and how lodges can prep for uh, that, those type of actions. But that's pretty common. People people hear about this organization and they think that it's, um, you know, still in the heyday and possibly Illuminati controlling the world. And they expect somebody to be in the office and able to return an email. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as we know, that's not always the case, right? We're, we're a nonprofit organization run by uh, men who are donating their their spare time and free time. Uh, same as you guys are for this podcast to share, you know, information and light to, to guys uh, uh, across the, the state and across the nation uh, and, and likely globally as well, I'm sure. Uh, and so um, any, anyways, uh, there was nobody immediately available at the lodge. And, and that's my kind of humiliating stories. I sat outside of the lodge, uh, may, maybe more than once, uh, trying to wait for someone <laughs> to, uh, uh, to talk to. And finally, um, I, I got an email back, uh, like two months after I'd sent one in mm -hmm. and, um, they told me when dinner was. So the rest is, rest is history. Hey, Hey, two months for a response time is pretty quick by some large standards. That's pretty, that's pretty fast, especially back then. Yeah, <laughs> guys, we're, I, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, but, uh, it, for, for everybody's sake, we're in the age of Amazon. So, uh, yes. Customer yeah. expectations are going to be the same regardless of what industry you're in, including 
uh, our little nonprofit groups like mm-hmm. our lodges. Uh, and so really it's, it, we set a standard at, at uh, Hillcrest that it's, it's two days max, uh, including weekends. So if you're going to be away from your email and computers, you're going to be down in Barbados or Cancun or touring France or something like that. Like give, give the email to somebody else and make sure somebody can respond. Absolutely. And I, and I have a perfect example of that, that happened just here recently. Um, last week I was, I was, somebody reached out to me on one of our pages on one of our lodges. I, and our lodges didn't have Facebook and they didn't have web pages until I came around. And then, and so I developed it also. Now I, I'm the lucky sap that gets to answer all the emails and all the Facebook messages and, and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, so, uh, 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 um, a lady chats in through messenger and says her dad just passed away and would like a Masonic funeral. We would have never known if I hadn't answered that in a timely manner. The funeral's tomorrow. We were able to have a group there to do the funeral, to, to perform the honors he deserves as a 53-year Mason because I answered that messenger. And if I hadn't, it would have it would have just gone to the church and nobody would have had that that honor and, and she would have walked away disappointed in our fraternity, as well as the potential of of her her boys and you know her kids, her her grandchildren, whatever, you know, that potential audience that is there to see that last degree as we send somebody out, you know, they they would have never had that opportunity. So extremely important. That we get that we get back right away, and we'll probably touch on that more later. Yeah, um, I just had to. It, it was so relevant right at this moment. So. Yeah, that that's pretty important to talk on, and so I think keeping the spirit of conversation for this podcast, and hopefully we're not anticipating anything too formal from me, because you know, other than putting on a suit on and looking nice once a month, that's that's pretty rare uh, formality wise. But um, I'll just kind of pepper this with with insights and and kind of tips and suggestions for some of the audiences as we converse and have some of these conversations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So for everybody's awareness, I, I previously been chairman of the Grand Lodge Internet Committee for Texas. I'm currently uh, the membership chairman uh, for second year in a row. Uh, glad to do it, but not of not of my asking uh, to hold that position two years in a row. But uh, glad to do it um, when. We talk about new media and getting visibility out as much as we can. That's fantastic. And I encourage it. Of course, within bounds, you don't want to plaster everything out there. Uh, but things that are made appropriate uh, and general information for you know, lodges and so forth, great. But you have a responsibility. Every time you open up a new communication channel, you have a responsibility to support that channel. And most lodges, you know, they can't even support their own website or they can't support their Facebook uh, pages or whatnot. And so I encourage you, for anybody listening, to start these new channels and get on these platform where, you know, the young men are who can, you know, ask the right questions and, and potentially join if, if they're of the right character and so forth. But in doing so, know that there's a responsibility in that. And if there's a way to set up like in Facebook, for instance, we've got our Facebook page at Hillcrest Lodge. And we've got an autoresponder on there. So if anybody c- contacts us through that, it'll autorespond and say, hey, you know, we'll get to your message on here if it's not important. Just know we look at this maybe once a week, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. If you have anything that's urgent, you know, contact our 
uh, info at dallasfreemasonry.com. And that communication channel, we've got multiple people through a more professional tool that can kind of, you know, be managed in the process and we keep everything straight, but everything flows to that. That's urgent. And anybody who contacts us through any other channel has some sort of auto response uh, that they can know to go to that channel. Uh, So that way we've got multiple guys every day looking at it uh, who can, who can follow up in a timely manner. Cause we really try to get to everything. And I do mean every communication within the hours. See, wow. I like that. Wow. I, I definitely am not that guy. I wish I could be, but I do get within a, a day or two. I'm, I'm usually on it. So, yeah. And, and we've, even in our little town, and, and this is really important too, little town of 1900 people. And we've already seen four master masons come to our fraternity through our, our media. So it's, it's, it's working and we've only had it for a couple of years. So the, the younger and, and they're all, you know, like 50 years of age or younger, the ones that are using that as their daily tools, they're the ones who are, are contacting us through that. So it's, um, it's been pretty eye opening for me. Yeah. Doing that. I'll, uh, take the liberty to go on another self-hosted tangent, uh, Justin, you can sit there and look pretty. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I wear a lot of people out when I've got my opinion pieces on on things. But I I think most people generally encourage me the most to talk when I'm talking about data. And so from a marketing perspective, it's important to understand the landscape that we're in. Um, You know, in the 60s, 70s, late 20th century, radio, TV, traditional media, you know, big enterprise marketing, impossible to get to by the local lodge, uh, impossible to get to by the average man, huge budgets, the, the audience that those things, you know, subscribe to, you talk about Super Bowl ads, you know, five, six, mm-hmm. seven million people looking mm-hmm. at commercials. I mean, that, that's chump change audience. Like the yeah. stuff that you can reach the people that you can reach now with just the know-how is larger than Super Bowl ads. Wow. Like back in the day and for free or near free. Yeah. Right. Yes. So by setting up a website and I, if Facebook's great, all the other platforms are great, but if you don't have a website, you don't own your, your space. And it's, it's something you're constantly going to have to update to keep up with uh, everything else. But a website is like your constant, like, bedrock it's it's your house that you own everything else is like a channel that you rent is the analogy that we generally use and and your website can be surfaced in google well why is that worth anything because in america just in the u.s there's 267 million google searches per hour not per year not per month not per day per (laughs) hour there's billions per day globally uh Mm. I think it's something like it's north of 90% for sure, but I think it's like 94, 95% um, of people, adults, anyone in there. I'm aware I have a problem or a challenge or something I want to solve to what that solution fit is interact with Google, not other search engines, Google Mm -hmm. uh, at some point through that process. Mm Mm-hmm. So that means that if you answer the right question and all Google search results are all localized. So this is highly relevant for our fraternity 
because especially for the more localized lodges that don't have a lot of like direct competition um, or even those who do and, and don't have a lot of online competition. Uh, if you're aware of what that journey is, if you go back to your kind of like involvement in getting uh, interested in masonry and petitioning for membership and all the questions you're asking, uh, if you hear the other guys coming through the inquirer process at your lodge or other lodges and hear the questions they're asking, they're not all the same, but you know, you pull 30 guys together, you're going to get five unique, ex- five similar experiences. Um, and you start crafting content for those experiences online. You know, if you're local to that person, you're going to come up. Right. And so, uh, you know, we can look and see that uh, in Dallas County, you know, we generally have about a hundred men a month looking for how to become a Freemason. Just that term exactly phrased that way. Interesting. How to become, yeah. How to become a Freemason. So, um, a lot of our website at Hillcrest Lodge is completely directed at how to craft content, answering that question, supporting other questions that support that question, uh, and supporting that experience. And I mean, I, I, the, the fruit shows for itself. I mean, we've been ranking number one on Google for 10 years now for almost every keyword. Um, and there's other lodges who come up for some things occasionally here and there. But I mean, if you track 100 keywords focused on anything close to that, we're going to be the top one we've got our own like google image graph over to the side and all that kind of stuff so um wow yeah well, i can i, like, I, can I like honestly... that a lot so that's that's very interesting to hear that sorry dennis uh no go ahead i, I will say I, I do feel overall maybe not at the individual lodge level but i feel as though overall the fraternity is doing it's not a it's, it's a it's a process right but i feel as though the fraternity is getting better at representing itself on social media and things like that. Um, YouTube, uh, Facebook slowly. You have, you have things like, like TikTok. You're seeing quite a few users on there with, with Masonic content. I, I've, I feel as though I don't have the data, but it, it seems as though there's, there's a lot more exposure than there has been in the past. Yeah. Um, general exposure. I'd agree with you on. Uh, if we want to get really technical into brand marketing and overall storytelling and presence, I think we've still got some work to do. So backing up to the 30,000 foot view that makes everybody feel great. You know, we've got a lot of young guys, uh, Dennis, I'm going to include you in this as well. I'm going to include myself in this, even though I'm not that young anymore. Uh, right. we, we got a lot of younger guys, uh, who are joining the organization. They're more, um, I won't even call them tech savvy, but at least online savvy. We do have more tech savvy uh, brothers. Uh, we've got a lot of guys, I, and you know, don't get me wrong on this. I respect guys from all walks of life. I respect mem- members and brothers from all backgrounds. But we've got more guys who understand kind of uh, more large business practices and best practices when it comes to growing organizations, which is great. Um, but that also means we butt heads with people that don't understand that. True. But I think that, you know, with time, that too will be overcome. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're starting to see that now, uh, at least in a, in a little bit for those, of, for those of us who have been around long enough, uh, which I think everybody here is, is roughly on similar pages of that. Um, we got a long ways to go. Don't want to shortchange that statement, but um, it, it's coming. The flip side of this, though, we have a not so great branding with a lot of the culture that is emerging 
especially in Texas. Um, historically, I don't think it's going to be a shocker for anybody that within the past 75 to 100 years, this organization has been mostly white Protestant males. Uh, and some of that's due to, uh, you know, some churches having issues with us because they got pulled into a hoax that's 150 years old. Uh, we can go in the Taxial hoax later, but for anybody listening to this who's not a Mason that's interested, Taxial hoax, go look it up. Um, but but we've got a lot of people who have prerogative that like, oh, I'm not welcome there, right? Or that's oh for these types of uh, uh, men, uh, and and that's just not true. And I think a lot of us who who you know are involved and in, and know like masonry is changing it's still holding its core values of being kind of like a universalist uh social and charitable organization but it is changing our demographics in texas are changing i work for um a couple energy uh providers and they've got fantastic data on this uh just in the population change and like most of the incoming population of texas is not uh you know anglo protestant it is um, Hispanic. It is Asian uh, with very different cultural standings and backgrounds and perspectives that can align well with Freemasonry. But we just have to understand, um, you know, some of the perspectives that have been layered on to what Freemasonry is, quote unquote, in Texas historically cannot nor will not always be the same. It's just yeah. it's just impossible for us to continue to talk about um, you know membership and areas of growth and things like that without accommodating cultural change in the state. Right, right. That's that's why we we it's so important in my opinion that we're starting to get back to the festive boards and um, and what that brings because that 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 brings a more well rounded um, approach to Freemasonry to um to the membership in general you know you've got your fellowship your your education your history you know your libations you know it and face it that face it that's that's what you know a lot of younger guys are, are they're wanting to have intelligent conversation um debating topics of the day um while enjoying a beverage you know that I enjoy it. I, that's my favorite thing to do. I mean, we, we go to, you know, officer leadership training and my favorite day is, is Saturday night after training so that I'm getting together with all the guys and we're just, just hashing it out. And, and, uh, well, it, well, it's a lot like when, when we go to Grand Lodge and, and we, and, and you and I go and have dinner and, and we sit there and, and hash out these, these topics of the day. And, and, uh, really that's Freemasonry. That's Freemason. And, and it always was. And now we're starting to bring that back to where in the past it was more about the uh, fish fry fellowship. Now it's more about the intellectual fellowship and, um, and, and sharpening each other as we go. Kind of uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing is, is it's becoming more relevant again today. Yeah, uh, I, I won't disagree with you on that, especially in the urban areas. Uh, as I look at membership and kind of membership interests across the state, um, 
you know, especially on social media. So on Texas Freemasons Facebook group, for instance, um, you know, over the past 10 years, I've seen a resurgence in a lot of activity, including what you're talking about, more the philosophical, esoteric, uh, what I would call like what everybody kind of envisions is like the British early 20th century high society Freemasonry, top hats and bow ties and stuff like that. Pre, right. uh, uh, um, you know, pre-economic collapse of the early 20th century. That being said, that's not the only resurgence that I'm seeing. I am seeing more barbecues. I am seeing more fish fries. Uh, I am seeing more like, let's get back out in the community and do charitable stuff. Um, those are generally in smaller communities where the communities aren't yeah. growing as much. Uh, so I don't see as much of it, but I still see more of that today than I saw 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, so, that's what we have in our area. Yeah. Well, if I can interject, I think sure. you're uh, a product of your raising, so to speak. If you're raised in a lodge that focuses on, on fish fries and things like that, and if you're young or just enthusiastic in general, you're going to you're going to go to what you know, and what you know is what they taught you in that lodge, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, you're going to see resurgence in the fish fries and barbecues in these urban uh, suburban areas and, and rural areas because that's what that's how it's always been done. So these guys are going to go through. They're going to be excited. They want to be involved. They want to they want to create activity, but until they are exposed to uh, something else they're going to fall back on what they were taught when they were going through the degrees. Yep. Um, completely agree with that. Uh, and, and this whole conversation brings me back to, um, you know, right. Worshipful Jim Rumsey uh, was presiding over Hillcrest this year as, as worshipful master, um, you know, good friend of mine. Um, he said in his kind of farewell speech to the lodge uh, during his last meeting this month, um, that he, uh, and, you know, sorry for any lodges I butcher on this, uh, but I think he said he's <laughs> a member of like eight to 10 lodges across oh Texas. My. And he said he's been mastered now, including Hillcrest of three. And he said, and he named him off and I'm not going to even try to do that. But he said, you know, this lodge, uh, they're great. They like st studying the, uh, the ritual work. You know, this lodge likes doing uh, the, the esoteric and philosophy of it. And, and keep in mind, the esoteric and ritual are two different things for anybody listening. I know everybody yes. here knows that. Yes. Um, two different focuses. Um, you know, he's got a lodge that's the fish fry lodge. He's got a lodge that's the festive board lodge. And they all, and they've got, he's got a lodge that's the vanguard lodge. And they, they all are a lodge. So he could gain, he didn't say this, but I'm, I'm thinking he joined all these lodges so that way he could experience like what the check box is for all these things so he could have a an understanding of the plurality of the nature of freemasonry in texas because the state's so big the interests are so big the, the geography so big the, the populations of different geographies are so diverse um that that he likely did that for, for all those things and you know not to plug hillcrest too much tonight but um <clears throat> he said you know this lodge breaks the mold because it does it, it doesn't fit into a box it doesn't do one thing it tries to do everything and tries to do everything at you know a level that may kill most i'm like paraphrasing what he said but he he made it clear that his year in the east of hillcrest was not an easy year and i salute him for that uh time uh committed because he definitely didn't have to do it uh but that being said 
um, you know, for those listening, I'd encourage your lodge to, to think about how to become that. Because if we're really going to talk about growth and strategic growth, um, at Hillcrest, we did a, a strategy meeting, you know, 12 years ago uh, when I was master with a bunch of the past masters and a, some of the younger guys that were uh, involved at the time. And, uh, you know, we kind of said, Hey, what are we interested in? What brought us to the fraternity in the heyday for those who have been around? What's everybody most in remembrance of what do we wish we did again? Cause at that point in time, like, you know, we'd be lucky to get 10 people out to a state of meeting. Now we're, you know, 30 to 40. Um, right. Uh, and you know, we'd meet once or twice a month. Now, now we're meeting, you know, five to 10 times a month. But like we took all those things and realized like, okay, there's verticals where some of these things are similar and you could probably have multiple guys run a couple guys run multiple things that are similar, but there's so much to do to really do this all this well would take, you know, 25 to 35 guys. And we just don't have no lodge at that point in time really had 25 to 35 active guys. Maybe, maybe one or two would have some for a year. It'd be a lot of plural membership from other lodges. You know, they wouldn't be able to keep it up because they borrowed a lot of membership. It would, whatever but not a lot of law just had that type of membership and so we started coming up with like okay what are the things that our membership is most interested in out of these i'm gonna say 10 or 12 things they boiled up into like five pillars and so we strategically said okay for new members you know this is one thing and for existing members for like you know call it two plus decades uh this is something so we're going to start with these two things and we're going to really focus and everybody's going to put their effort behind these two things. Uh, and then over time, as we get more guys in, we're going to keep them active as they come up through the line by basically, you know, putting them to task on some of this other stuff and kind of building out like a, a project plan like that. And I mean, now that's how we've gotten to the point where we've got statements where, you know, Jim's like, we're growing in all directions and all this to go back to your point, Dennis, on like, um, yeah, festive boards are important. We started doing those 10 years ago. We kind of fell off around 2017, 2018, shortly after the remodel, um, just because that took up so much time and energy. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, we got back to it this year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of things to, to keep the energy going. Because the important thing is keep the energy going. If you only focus on one thing or two things, you're going to piss a lot of people off. They're not going to get the experience they want. And for a lot exactly. of lodges, for a lot of lodges to grow, they're growth is dependent on bringing as much diversity of interest together as possible. And, you know, sometimes taking one for the team and doing what other guys want to do, expecting that when it's time to do something you want to do, they're going to chip in as well too. Exactly. Exactly. We've, That's we've talked about Hillcrest quite a few times on this show, just because, uh, you know, I, I, I visited there. It's probably been close to six months, eight months now. It's been a while. Neighbor. That's been too long. Yeah, <laughs> like a wolf brand but, chili uh, commercial. But uh, it was everything I thought it would be, and then and then some. And so, uh, I mean, you have a fantastic lodge. Uh, the brothers there are outstanding. Thank and you. And so uh, that that in my mind kind of created a new standard, uh, and it really opened my eyes as to as to what a lodge could really achieve with the right leadership and the right resources. And so, um, I mean, first of all, hats off to you guys for what y'all did there, but. Uh, I, uh, I encourage anybody in the area that uh, has the time, make your way to Hillcrest sometime and, and see what a lodge can really look like. Because it is, it's probably, I would say Hillcrest looks like what most 
non-Masons expect a large to the light? I mean, it's been yeah. One of the, uh, uh, not to spoil the behind the scenes footage uh, on this podcast, but one of the questions you guys sent me over earlier uh, was kind of like, what was, what's my impression of masonry and did it live up to my impression of masonry like prior to? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, did it uh, meet your expectations? That, that was the question. Yeah, I mean, the, deg- <laughs> the degree definitely did. The, the EA degree uh, definitely did. The other degrees definitely did. Yeah, I mean, you, you go to your first state of meeting after you've done all this memory work, and of course it's not going to meet your expectations for a lot of lodges. A lot of, not a lot, of, a lot of lodges 15 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yes. Now, well, and even I was, today in, in my area, I can tell you, that's, that's why I do travel as much as I do, and I recommend that everybody that, that feels like they're not getting the Freemasonry they want, they, they need to travel and visit other lodges especially in in the bigger cities and not because they're so much better than than what we have as far as you know community closeness in in our lodge but they do have that different aspect that's going to um that's going to heighten all your senses you know you get a little bit here a little bit there and 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 then you get your freemasonry because you're you're reaching out you do have to uh put a little bit of effort in still today because we don't have the well-rounded lodges that we should have. And Justin and I spoke on this a long time ago when, yeah. on my first interview, that that's, uh, that's exactly the case. Yeah. I just want to say, um, I'm pretty rural where I'm at. So when we have these new Masons that come into the fraternity, I really try to get them to attend like the festive boards that are local, uh, uh, like the OLTs, the, the forums, the, the grandmasters conferences, um, more, more urban lodges, larger lodges, um, just, to, just to get them exposed to something. Because it's so easy to sit in a rural lodge or even in a rural district and just uh, not really be exposed to anything different. Yeah, uh, I think it's important. Um, at your lodge level, or at least with inside like your local community of lodges, if you got multiple around, to get guys um, involved in things that are different, uh, probably before jumping onto Texas Freemasons for sure. I think uh, <laughs> yes, I think a lot of guys are shocked at how diverse this state is uh, with uh, people's perspectives on things like what it is to be a Freemason mm-hmm. and what your lodge is supposed to do and what is Freemasonry. Yeah. Um, Cause that's not the same answer for everybody. Now, historically arguments could be made, you know, there's a lot of business arguments that could be made. We could all make different perspectives and different arguments, but you know, we're, you're not going to come to a singular answer on what that is well, um, that's, for better or for worse. I mean, that's, that's really why I left the first, when I, when I left that after I joined shortly, is it just felt like a service organization and all the lodges I visited in my district were basically service organizations. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I started doing research online and started visiting other lodges that I realized that there, that it goes so much deeper than that, but you, you have to know where to look, you have to do the research. Yeah. That is uh, probably the thing that as I started, you know, after I became master of Hillcrest and I started getting more active with inside the 14th district in Dallas, and I started getting more active with the committees at Grand Lodge. Um, that's probably the thing that got me 
closer to beating my brains out against the wall than anything else. Uh, the fact that you've got a generation of men who have been tasked to be, you know, the stakeholders of the organization. They've inherited it from a list of, you know, best practices that have been watching the fraternity demise for decades. Mm-hmm. And because it's law or tradition, maybe not historical tradition, but tradition within inside their experience of Freemasonry. With, within, yes, within that lodge. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the way that it needed there. to be done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can only like, you know, I think this is a false attribution at Albert Einstein, uh, but somebody said the quote at some point that, uh, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And you, you just got to wonder, it's like, guys, you're, I came through and guys like me are coming through and guys like you are coming through and then you turn away or you turn around and face into it and you get a, a wall of resistance to anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, what are you doing? Like, we've got five decades of data showing that this business model doesn't work, that these operations <laughs> don't work, that these practices don't work. The and mentality- you're telling is that it worked once and if they do it long enough, it'll come it'll back do, around again. It'll come back around. Yeah. But it, your lodge might not be there by then. Exactly. Well, yes. Well, uh, and, and that's similar to uh Justin, you'll appreciate this. That's similar to uh endowments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, sure, they're financially viable. <laughs> if you do it enough if you're dead. at the right price and you can make it a hundred <laughs> years. Yeah. Yeah. If you can go bankrupt for a hundred years and make it work, good on you. Yes. He has are going down the line of deceased past masters and buy it for them. Sure, it's financially viable at that point. Exactly. He hasn't posted the uh, the last little tidbit I did on endowments that I just did, which I told him to hurry up and post because now's the time everybody could actually change their endowments before they cool your jets, junior co-host. Especially, (laughs) you guys have a great working relationship. (laughs) You need to level. You need to level up. Oh God. Young millennial, I think we need. So, I think we, I think we need to get uh, Brother Hill on this podcast. Maybe he can do some uh, some couples counseling for both of you. Therapy. Uh, yes, I, don't, exactly. I don't think that's his uh, nature of therapy, but maybe he can uh, help you guys I want, out. I want the shock treatment. That's what I was. <laughs> but I don't we need to know about I your would, personal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, I need stimulation. So the again, uh, we'll, we'll edit that in post. Right. Damn. <laughs> yeah we got to i mean no we gotta, i want to see him get red yeah i'm i'm on this show so we got to keep it controversial right uh, right exactly but you know that's uh it's interesting that, that you talk about that because when i came to this lodge that i'm at now and i'm not going to say which one because i'm a member of a couple of them here down here but when i came down here from the lodge up in mckinney you know, St. John's 51, it's, it's, it's been a Vanguard Lodge since I remember. And when I came down here, it was a whole different dynamic. And it took some adjusting, and, and it took a lot for people to adjust to me. That's for sure. And now, though, they're starting to see some of the ideas that, that, that I've had and, and that other like-minded brothers have had starting to work and they're starting mm-hmm. to shift the momentum. So they're starting to understand though. It still came to a, a point to where 
and I'm not going to call out anybody on this, but it came to a point to where I was asked to serve in, in different capacities outside of the lodge with different, um, whether it was Grand Lodge or Scottish Rite or whatever. And it almost seemed like there was a pushback because there was too much information coming in. And so the, it all started coming to a halt again. And then now they're starting to come around again and see that that's not such a bad thing either. But we, we go through these transitions with the, um, that's not how we've always had it to, um, to starting to accept some, some newer ideas. And then uh, we'll get a little bit of kickback again, and then we'll get to move on forward. But right now we're in a great, in a great time. And I think that us in, in our generation, our uh, time span in Freemasonry, we're going to get to see some awesome changes throughout Freemasonry. And some of it may be good, some of it may be bad, but I think that we're going to get to see some shifts that haven't been seen for 50, 60, 70 years that, that are going to really propel us into a new way of, of visualizing our Freemasonry. So yeah. We're going to have things, we're going to run out of things to talk mm. about someday. I, well, I don't, I don't agree with that last point, but uh, I would definitely agree. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Justin and I, we can't, we can't go. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, I will definitely agree uh, with your other point. I think that membership numbers are probably going to uh, maybe go down a bit more. I think membership quality and by quality, I mean, by quality, I mean, guys who are, who get active and stay active. I I don't mean black tie or blue jean quality. Don't take me here saying that. Uh, But quality, as far as like guys who get active and get real involved, because you've got more and more, it's a smaller community. And so you've got more of the guys who have got buy-in now, who've been working on it for five, 10, 15 years, who have buy-in, who are making changes, who are getting more of the buy-in to make changes uh, and not just to change everything to change everything. I, I, right. I, I'm saying big statements here. I don't want not change for changes. Words. Yeah. Not yeah, change like, for change. Statements. We're not talking about changing the work. We're talking about preserving the work through organizational change to make yes. sure that works. Yes. But those Utilizing types of things. Technology. Yeah. Uh, but, but we'll see. I, I think membership will go down a little bit. I think the membership that we get uh, will become a higher percent of uh, high involvement, uh, high, high retention. Um but yeah, I think I think we're on a turn where you're starting to see coalitions of guys come up in the state, and the coalitions are largely, you know, they're not all of the same. Let's call it political party camp, uh, but they're all in the same kind of half, uh, where they all understand the differences and the values of the differences. Um, uh, that they, they are largely more of what I would call the Dan Brown History Channel generation. Um, which is a conglomerate of American generations. Uh, but they are the ones who are looking for more of the dim light experience and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hardwood floors and checkered pavements uh, yes. as opposed to bright blue carpets and let's make it warm and friendly for everybody. Um, yes. These generations want a challenge. They've, they've grown up with participation trophies their entire life. Yep. Uh, and, and they want to feel like they're included in something, but including in something that's special. Uh, and that that took something to get into. Um, so, you know, I, I know there's limitations to some guys being able to actually learn all the work. And I know the state is somewhat unique and 
actually still making um, membership do that compared to some of the other states. Uh, but that that's the type of experience that I'm seeing more and more guys ask for and get interested mm-hmm. in and then stay like, you know, involved in and have a heavy retention with um, that. And so somebody said something a minute ago around like the presence of Hillcrest Lodge um, and, and that remodel, like that remodel was <clears throat> probably seven years worth of work. Uh, and, and we went from that, you know, bright blue carpet and blue walls uh, to, um, you know, a really solemn environment and, and uh, you know, a, a really, uh, you know, respected and, and I might even say sacred, sacred ground uh, that, that you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is this is the lodge that I saw on the History Channel yeah. or, yes. or something like that, because I knew and, and many of us coming in knew like we were the right people at the right time to have just the right interest. Yeah. The stars aligned. There was no way you were going to get us out of here. There was no way once we were in, there was no way we were going to back down. Uh, and we'd put up with, you know, counter opinions for years. Yeah. But we knew we were a minority. And yeah. I'm not saying every lodge needs a complete overhaul and remodel. Uh, but look at, look at your lodge and look at the history channel documentaries and so forth on Freemasonry. And then what steps you can make to align your lodge and your lodge branding to that kind of experience. Cause that's what guys yes. are going to expect when they come in. So you, yeah, when they're, when they're seeing it on TV and seeing the, uh, the majestic nature, and then they show up at your lodge, you know, even if you keep it behind a veil until they, they have their degree, they show up and, and they see what, what's going on. And uh, yeah. This it's entire conversation bait and switch, just like me, like Justin's always said. Yeah, I can, I, can I speak? <laughs> this is no entire conversation. You spoke, you spoke plenty earlier. This, uh, I'm reminded of um, it was a tour that I took uh, with some other with some other people, and it was the, by the county judge, who's also a, he's a brother Mason, and uh, it was at Hillsboro. Uh, again, very rural Texas town, but the yeah, I'm gonna elbow drop you next time we meet. Just, just anyway, but uh, rural Texas town, and but the courthouse is very nice. It's it's very it's a very beautiful building, especially inside. Um, I have never really been into the courtrooms in the courthouse, and I, you know, that that's a goal most of us have, I think, and uh, so I didn't really know how nice this, this place looked until uh, I went upstairs and, and went through everything. But he made a comment towards the end and uh, it was in regards to uh, how beautiful the courthouse actually looked. And he said, it's important that uh, a courthouse look somewhat majestic because when you come in, when you enter the doors, you need to be somewhat struck by the, by the majesty uh, subconsciously or consciously, what happens is your your mind tells itself, this place is something special. This is not like outside. This is a this is a different place. It's a special place, and I need to conduct myself differently than I did outside the door. And so, the reason I bring that up is because immediately when he said that, it made me think of Masonic lodges. In fact, it actually made me think of Hillcrest uh, because. It's important 
that your lodge looked nice. And, and granted, you may not have the resources to, to, to build something majestic, but I think we're doing ourselves a disservice when we, when we kind of downgrade our buildings or allow, um, just allow a lack of maintenance to, uh, to seep in and make it nasty. But uh, when I say downgrade, I see a lot of lodges selling their buildings and building like a, like those, uh, those metal frame buildings or, or whatever. Because when you go in, it's just a building. From the outside, it's just the building. And I think it needs to be, there needs to be some level of majesty when you go in, uh, ideally. And you go in and you say, wow, this place is different than it is out there. This is different than the other buildings in town. This place is special. I need to act differently and conduct myself differently. I'd like to, I'd like to piggyback on that and also go back to another part of the, the conversation a little bit earlier. Um, number one, if, if you're at a point to where you can't afford to do the basic upkeep of, of what your building requires, then you need to think of, you need to start thinking seriously about selling your property and getting another building or, um, or even getting a loan to fix up your building that, you know, y'all could work with and, and commit to. You can do a, 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 a commitment drive with all your members that they're, they'll commit X amount of dollars every month towards, you know, this project and get the project done and make your building nicer. If you can't do that and you don't have that membership, then um, it's time to start thinking about sharing a building with somebody. And yep. to, the, to the point that you had earlier, Kyle, I, I, the thing that, that breaks my heart the most, and I know their hearts are in, the good, in a good place, is all the Masons that waste their time and resources becoming plural members for all these different lodges to try to keep them open in hopes that they're going to turn it around. Yeah. And, and in reality, if they're still doing the same things and they're not thinking outside of the box, it's not going to turn around. And then you're just depriving your home lodge or the lodge that you truly, you know, connect with from experiencing that next level, because you're, you're taking your time and your resources away from that lodge. And, and I think if we, and, and the healthy lodge can't raise the dues where it needs to be because half the membership are supporting half the lodges of the district. And that's exactly right. And that's, and that goes along with, uh, you know, the, um, the dues and, and it's just, it's, it's finance one-on-one. You just have to, you know, what you, you can afford. You yep. can have all the Freemasonry you can afford. But where do you want to put that money? Where do you want to invest your money so you get the best return? So if I'm going to invest my money in, in Lodge A and, and, and Lodge B, C, and D, then uh, I'm not getting a very good return on any of those investments. But if I double up into Lodge A or triple up into Lodge A, I'm going to get such a better return because we're going to have better food. We're going to have better education. We're going to have better uh, history. We're going to have a better ambiance. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have all the things that Freemasonry deserves. And just because a lodge was there before doesn't mean that it has to be there going forward. It wasn't there to begin with. It, 
we built up to a certain level, we can definitely shrink down to a certain level so that we can make a better impact to the communities that do see us. Yep. That's- so I got a couple things to, to speak into all that. First and foremost, before I forget, I know I've extended the invite before, but uh, you two should definitely come and take a uh, walking tour of Hillcrest for the uh, podcast. I'd mm-hmm. love to get that out and talk through to the history of that a little bit more uh, and give some guys ideas who, who may have, uh, you know, small, medium or large size budgets. Uh, there, there's some, you know, there's, there's a top three to five things I do for every lodge in Texas, given, you know, a three to $5,000 budget uh, that, that would go a long way. Um, yes. And then, and then if you wanted to swap battle stories on how to run a quarter million dollar project to, uh, you know, try to completely rebrand your experience, we could go through that as well too. Uh, but we'd love to have you guys out for that. Um, on the, um, <clears throat> on the plural membership thing, you're, I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, die on this hill as an absolute statement, uh, but you're absolutely right. But the majority of the time, uh, if you are, t- I mean, I said it earlier, it, it, if you take a look at what a lodge could be, like really could be not just the one thing that some of your guys want to do, but like what it would right. take to get everybody active involved who could possibly join and retain them and keep everybody uh, engaged on a regular basis. You know, I said it before, I'll say it again, 25 members, active members contributing in probably minimum, maybe 20 minimum, but somewhere in there. If you're joining a bunch of lodges just to keep pitiful level of dues coming in mm-hmm. and show up to a state of meeting once a month and not do anything, or maybe do a couple things, a couple times a year and your home lodge hasn't checked all the boxes and isn't booming with activity, not necessarily new membership, but at least activity of the membership you have, you need to go back home. Yeah. You're not doing it. All you've done is divide your time and cost your mother lodge. Yes. Um, it's, it doesn't help anybody. Uh, now that's not a, a, you know, steadfast rule. Some guys, they don't want to break up with their mother lodge, but it's not really their home anymore. Culture change, something happened. They, they checked one box. The guy realized he wants to be in another box or another two or three boxes. Uh, that's fine. Um, but when you're trying to actively be like, hey, I'm I'm everybody to everything and I'm going to, you know, save masonry by carrying a membership yes. card for all these lodges and not really doing too much. Uh, and nobody them, knows you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking there's guys that I know that that join multiple lodges through that, you know, plural membership boom. Um, and, and, you know, there were secretaries of lodges or secretaries of our lodge. They're not unknown. Uh, but it's like, still, how much more could any of them contribute to the one lodge that they're really passionate about, or at least the two lodges when you start you know talking about five lodges? Yes. You know, what's funny to me is that you, you hear the, the, oh, you just, you're just losing them to Scottish Rite, or you're just losing them to the York Rite or the Shrine or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, I've already lost you to four other lodges, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what's the difference what's the yep. difference if you're running around to all these different lodges and and making my experience a bummer where i'm at because you're running off you know doing this now i i am a you, you bring up I a good a point um you bring up a good point with scottish right and york right and all that stuff uh 
well, we put on the uh, Masters of Law Administration program uh, a few years ago back at the 14th MWSA. One of the programs that we had was just on the infrastructure of masonry. And is it possible to support the current infrastructure? <clears throat> By infrastructure, you know, I'm not talking about a Build Back Better program. Uh, but, uh, right. you know, we're not talking about roads and highways and, and internet and all that stuff. Uh, we're talking about um, officer roles. We're talking about degree teams. Yes. We're talking about committees, property management committees, finance committees, endowment committees. We're talking about Scottish right, Scottish right state of meetings, lodge state of meetings, if I didn't already cover that. Uh, degrees, not just the degree teams, but the degrees. Uh, we're, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, for all these organizations and what you can get involved in. And it starts like a uh, snowflake on the hill. And all of a sudden you realize you're going down this snowball that you can't possibly control. And you're not really making a huge impact anywhere. You might be contributing to a lot of places, but you're not really making an impact that can sustain you being gone. Cause you don't have the time to train people behind you. You're not mentoring people behind you. You're just right. doing the job and hoping other people see it. And you're not even focusing on the jobs that you're doing or being asked to do uh, the way that you should. And this is, so this was another thing that I think we wanted to talk about tonight. I, I do want to make sure we get to it. Uh, but, you know, Grand Lodge should largely be run by those committees. We talk about, yes. um, you know, strategy all the time. And there's no long-term strategy for Grand Lodge because the leadership changes over every year. Yeah. Yes. The, counter, the counter to that is, oh, well, there's a board and it's like, you know, four or five years and yada, yada, yada. That doesn't mean anything. We all know the way it actually works is but, you get a but you get a grandmaster change. Yeah, they yeah, change year to year every year. Yes, yeah, so, so they're, they're changing year to year, and the committees aren't ever really tasked or managed or administered to go execute upon themselves because they're just worried about whatever else. And then half the committees, you know, get offered. Oh well, you're on a committee this year, so do you want to be in, you know, Grand Lodge line next year or the year after that? And of course, oh, I get to wear a collar and I get to be called a right worshipful or or you know. Uh, whatever else. I just it's feel like, as though at this point, I should say that the views expressed by the guests and participants <laughs> in the podcast do not reflect those of the host or any Masonic Lodge or Grand Lodge. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you've got guys here just, you know, for better or worse, doing as much as they can and taking the next thing and building up their Masonic career. But th this is why and my point with this statement is this is why Grand Lodge cannot save masonry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're all on the but, same page on that. The, it, the, it, the, it takes longer than a year for any program to take gain traction and make an impact. Well, and, like and you it's, said every year someone has their own program that they think is better and they want to scrap what came before and implement theirs. Yeah. And you know especially what's at the scale that hold, hold on one second. I want to I want to talk on that. Okay. Especially I'll let you at the scale. Justin, Justin you stop. Dennis is great. He's going to let the guests talk. That's so sweet. Uh, <laughs> I am. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the programs of the 20th century and, and now the 21st century are so large in ambition. Like the things that we need to do to save Freemasonry, quote unquote, at a Grand Lodge level in North America is almost insurmountable for any single Grand Lodge. 
So don't hear me say that Grand Lodges are useless or, or can't do anything. They, they can. But as far as like saving your particular lodge, at best, they can help you. And so if there's one message that we can get out to the audience tonight, it's that you need to understand and take ownership for your lodge. Mm-hmm. We're not asking you to break rules and, and not ask permission, but sometimes we may be asking you to, to take the leap and do things different and you know make sure it's okay in the process. <laughs> but think outside the box um, and, uh, and, and take ownership of, of you know, your lodge's future yourself. Cause Grand Lodge can't do that for 750 some odd lodges or however many there are today. Right. We have and th- going back to the infrastructure. I mean, we're operating off of like maybe 40% of the membership from the 1963 boom peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, and we're, but we're supporting like 85 to 90% of that infrastructure. So all those committees, yeah. degree teams, lodges, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're still supporting like 90% of that with 40% of the membership. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that we can continue on with everything and especially doing multiple lodges at once, which back in 1963, it was not that popular to join multiple lodges. In fact, I think in the fifties, there were laws against it. I think so. Yeah. So, so I want to make a plug real quick, a shameless plug for the officer leadership training. They send us out there to teach you guys all about officer leadership. We talk about succession planning. We talk about finance. We talk about servant leadership. So, but here's the thing is that, is that in reality, that's what we're trying to teach the lodges is to take ownership of your lodge. These young guys that are, are not even always young, but the, the new guys that are going through the line, if you want to support your lodge, send them to officer leadership training, especially if you don't have any kind of mentorship program, real mentorship program, man, you got to send them to training, invest in your lodge in that way, at least. And, and then because what we're talking about is doing that. It's talking about, you know, having your committees set up with your, with your officers so that they're building in their understanding of how the lodge works as they go. And they're running those programs as you go so that when they jump in the seat, they're not going to go and change all those programs because they know the value of it. So they're going to, their job is to mentor the next, officers in the line the the worshipful master really shouldn't have that hard of a job it really shouldn't be that hard all you have to do is set your committees to task and and make sure that your committees are are doing their job and that's that's it but so brother uh, committee man uh i've uh got an earnest question for you i don't mean to throw you (laughs) under the bus with this but uh you go right ahead it has been about 10 years since I've gone through one of those, uh, if not more. <clears throat> and so my, that's my earning- too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you guys like radio buttons where you can just, <laughs> right. yeah, go exactly. Um, when last I went through that, that course, that training, it was very focused on like internal operations. What has changed, if anything, that mentors lodges on things like lead management, on activities to nurture membership growth, 
And maybe this is partially on the membership committee as well, too. I think there's a lot of things that we could do in the coming years to, you know, expand experience and knowledge across committees. Um, but uh, yeah, how much has gone into, you know, lead management tools, training on social media usage, training on website development, and the importance of that, uh, you know, communication standards, uh, all of those things that would go in through traditional marketing and sales process that's more external in management and operations. I, um, I, can, I can say that it's not as much of the internal um, housekeeping that it used to be. It's, we are focusing more on a leadership, on a, on a, on a vision perspective. And in fact, we're rewriting almost all the different uh, programs this year, and we're adding more to the programs to uh, give people options as to where they feel like they could benefit for their lodge better. We have an alternative program that on the second day, if you're in 101 or 201, you can choose a class here or there for these other other um, other ideas and, and theories. But to your, to your question, and, and I'll be very specific with that because it's a very specific question, I don't see anything as detailed and good as what you're talking about. Now, however, we are, I'm part of four different um, rewrites right now that we, we are incorporating some of that stuff in each one. Now, on, on my own, not part of officer leadership training, I hope it becomes part of it at one point. I am creating a program on effective web presence on the cheat, basically. Um, going to your point, using Google, Google Sites, and, and building a decent web page that uses a good calendar that automatically updates that everybody can go to and with different uh, analytical options for you to see your data and see what's happening on your site. So I am creating that on, on the side, but it's not part of it yet, but we will, um, I will be asking to, to put that in there more. So, but like talking to you right now, this is why I wanted to talk with you so much but one is thing because that, one thing that was mentioned and, and our, not Justin at our last, at our last committee meeting, <laughs> uh, Dennis, if you remember, there was talk of doing like a, uh, it's not open mic, but it's like a, what's that called? We, it, it's basically. Uh, yeah. There is going to be a round table. Round table. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, being a, being a uh, committee chairman, if uh, you'd like to come to the, uh, the OLT that that's in the DFW. Yeah, that area. would be cool. Yeah, just talk a little it, bit about, yeah, about and, those things. It'd be very, very good, I think. And one of the things that I encourage the brothers to do after uh, Saturday is I like to sit around and, and sip a scotch. So I encourage everybody to get together and just chew the chud and talk about what we're doing and and yeah. get the ideas floating around. And so if if you would bless us with your presence there that would be great would love to help I, out I just could, let me know let me know the yeah. date and as long as i'm in town i'll, I'll be there wonderful <laughs> yeah it's the same date as the Masonicon that this this goofball is going to be a part of he well, won't thanks. post our he won't post our stuff on there because oh he's gosh. busy posting his own Masonicon stuff on on the website i'm just, just self-promoting these days yeah that's what i'm all about 
Well, well, Dennis, thanks for answering my question. I know we're uh, winding up on time for, for this part. So Justin, is there, is there anything that you'd like to uh, eke in in this interview session? <laughs> Uh, if and I, I hadn't had, even scratched the surface, if I'm I just getting any, started. If I had a thought before Dennis started, I've forgotten it. So okay. uh, I've done so my job. I, I, but, yeah. But that 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 said, <laughs> uh, we are we are getting uh, a bit low on time. So uh, I'd like to just open the floor to uh, any any parting thoughts. That uh, we'll start with Kyle, so we know he gets his his point yes. first. Yes. And then, uh, but we'll definitely have to do this again because. Um, I feel as though yeah, we, we could, did. We, we did have just a much, the surface. Yeah. yeah, we didn't scratch the surface of this conversation. But uh, yeah. Kyle, you have any parting thoughts? Yeah, this could, this could go on all night for sure. Um, and thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know if I said that at the beginning, but it's uh, always a pleasure seeing uh, the two of you. I like uh, uh, arguing with you if we don't always agree, uh, although we do generally agree. Uh, so, but always right. good seeing you too. Um, so, yeah, I I think um, just in general. Um, I just want to, for this conversation, really harp back on, um, in North America, and this is largely across all the States from the data that I've seen, uh, lodges are roughly in the same spot. So roughly generally due to organizational operational causes that entered into, uh, the late 20th century from what I can tell, meaning at some point in time, uh leadership across states got together and decided it'd be great to start introducing organizational laws that were very similar to what the cia was publishing at the time on how to overtake countries i don't know why it's similar <laughs> but we operate today much like third world countries um getting strung up in in processes and and organizational models that can never uh really get traction with wheels on the ground just spinning in the mud Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that we were necessarily infiltrated by the uh, CIA after World War II, but as the largest fraternity in the country that had secret motives, possibly. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, go read that that playbook if you have questions on, on what I'm talking about there. Uh, but all that being said, question what you're taught. Um, it's a good practice in life in general, mm-hmm. uh, but if you yes. want to grow your lodges and, and grow the organization... Uh, don't just take it for granted that somebody said that's the way that we do it. Yeah. Uh, this organization, most of our operating principles are not that old. Uh, if you look at our law book compared to a lot of other states, it's 10 times the size mm-hmm. of other states' law books. Um, and so yeah, I've heard question, that numerous times. Yeah. Quick question what you're being told, challenge it. If somebody says it's in the law book, tell them to show you the article. Uh, before you believe it mm-hmm. um, and uh, if it's there and you don't agree with it work to right. build a resolution yes. and, and get it pushed through <laughs> or at least you know continue hammer on it we had the resolution on resolution nine uh, a couple of years ago um, you know on on being able to act like grown men at lodges and have our own uh, have our own uh, know, club private club pretty mm-hmm. much which you know might attract new membership um, and, and have alcohol on premise. We were going forth with, with the resolution. Um, there were a lot of uh, games kind of being played with the uh, legality of Grand Lodge that year. It was pandemic year, so everybody's kind of wondering what was going on. We had some new players involved. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the guys, uh, those 50-some-odd signers of Resolution 9, um, you know, weren't allowed to speak uh, without closing out the argument, which 
you know, as an aside, we had a resolution this year uh, where multiple, uh, you know, grandmasters, pre- previous grandmasters had spoken who all signed it and didn't close it out. So uh, just showing some inconsistencies there, but largely the point of the conversation is for um, things that, you know, aren't working for the organization. You know, we all thought that resolution was going to fail. We thought it was going to be, you know, 20% pass, 80% fail. Um, we, we knew that kind of going in. It's kind of like a long-term game. One day this will pass. We know it's going to pass. There's enough momentum behind it. Yeah. Uh, but somebody had to take the had to take the bat to the plate and be the first one to swing. And yes. um, so, you know, they're all chiming in my ear up there on stage. and Like, oh, it doesn't look like it's going to pass. You want to pull it and do it next year? And I was like, absolutely not. You know, time's on our side. This will mm-hmm. pass. It's not if, it's just when. And we want the data point on what a what the objection is today, so we can come up with better arguments against it in the future. Uh, and B, uh, know actually how much of a voting populace will vote in favor of it this year. And to our surprise, uh, you know, uh, I think most people know this, but it wasn't a a twenty eighty. It was like a thirty seven you know, 40 something or 60 yes. something. Right. Yes. So that's getting really close to a 50, 50 call right there with a very hamstrung, uh, proceeding. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, it, it's going to pass one day. And so it's, it's just a matter of time, but all that being said, you know, challenge, challenge the status quo. Um, don't just do it to annoy people, but be yeah. constructive about it and, and do it in the heart and spirit of trying to grow Freemasonry. Uh, so very interesting data would have been uh, the age of the voters, the, 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 the A's versus the nays, the average age. I mean, yeah. I could guess, and I'm sure you can too, but I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I, I've, got a, I've got a guess on that. Although sometimes uh, I hear arguments uh, from certain people, and these are just, you know, um, you know, certain instances. So it's, it's not reliable data. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, some guys make arguments that surprise me that younger populace that I think would normally be a yay was actually an A. And some of the older guys are getting loaded in their hotel room at Grand Lodge <laughs> and go to Grotto. Yeah. 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 They vote for it. So you yeah. never know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely not, not trying to paint broad strokes here. Cause like you said, there's exceptions for, for everybody, but uh, I just think on average, um, yeah, we could probably guess what the H's were. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as like a, a, you know, a membership perspective, there's a lot that goes on at Grand Lodge that really should be run through membership committee. We see all this jurisprudence and everything else, but here we are every year talking about, you know, growth and growth opportunities or, or areas that's stagnating growth. And we're not running it through the committee responsible for that growth on if these resolutions are a yay or nay as, as far as if we support them or not. Right. Yes, you should absolutely have a have a voice on on uh, and be able to present data and say, because as, as we all know, and it doesn't matter if it's in the lodge or or in Grand Lodge or, or no matter what the, the cause or an effect are with anything, numbers don't lie. So, well, you know, if you, you do that, right. with, with, well, if you do it masonically, it shouldn't lie. But if, you know, everybody can misreport data, it can be, it can, it can always be skewed to, to look a certain way or whatever, but, 
Yeah. I can absolutely is, tell you that yes, you can absolutely absolutely manipulate data for almost whatever yes. argument you yeah. want. So, I, yeah. I, I know. You Let's can. not die on that hill. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, but but like with when you're talking about the accounting for your lodge and and your membership and and whether you should have endowments, whether you should raise your dues, you know, almost anything that that you can talk about, there's numbers that can that can speak to that. And, and you can validate your, your opposition with those numbers, especially when somebody else is doing it on feelings. It's a lot easier to validate your position uh, based on data. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's a lot harder for them to, to argue those points when you're doing it on data and they're doing it on feelings. So mm -hmm. that's, and, and that helps with the big bull in the, in the, in the pen. You know, that the and that's to your point, man, we, we've got to believe in ourselves and, and our abilities. We have to believe in in um, in what we're here for. And and even though we're young bulls, we got to we got to stand stand right there with them and and let them know that that we're there for the long haul. Are those uh, your parting and, thoughts, Dennis? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I, I, I was just gonna wonder, like, to get this into time for for a normal yes. podcast, are we gonna edit Dennis's comments? Uh, Half of them. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> All right, Dennis. What uh, what are your party thoughts then? No, go ahead, Justin. No, no, you please. I insist. <laughs> so, brothers, bottom line, um, membership can be addressed with intelligent planning and and um and secession planning you can it, it's not going to happen overnight but you can work towards the goal and you can start putting little things in place uh like kyle mentioned start with one or two things and just add it to the mix so that so that you have uh something else to offer than just the same old thing that you've been doing add it to the mix even if you don't and and consistency guys consistency you have to keep doing it even when it's not successful right off the bat our floor school is is the perfect example we, we it took two or three years before it became solid but now every wednesday we show up and we have 15 guys upstairs three or four guys downstairs learning the work and and the young guys are seeing us go upstairs and they are motivated to do that afterwards so it's consistency so it, it, it helps. It evolves into something bigger. Um, otherwise, travel. Travel and, and see the Freemasonry that's out there. Pay attention to the, to the groups that are saying they have a festive board coming up. Or, or if you've ever heard about the, the Knights of Mecca, if you see that they're going to do a degree or something, go see it. The Lexington's a great example. They're going to be down doing the, the Lexington degree again. And you'll get to see how a degree should be done, even though it's not in the exact, um, it, it's not in the optimal space, but it is a pretty cool space. But you see how it's supposed to be performed. And so, you know, travel and, and find out these things and, and don't let anybody tell you what your Freemasonry should be. Because you know what your mindset was when you came in and, and you know what you were looking to get out of it. Now, with that being said, you should also be open to what's there already as well. So 
It's a little bit of both. That's, that's, that's my thing. And if you don't know how to get in touch with these guys like Kyle and, and, uh, and Jim Rumsey and, and some of the other guests that we've had, even non-guests that we've had, if you want to know where these places are, just, uh, just give us a shout and we'll, we'll help you get there. Cause you know, we know these people, we love these people, you know, they're, they're the ones that make us smarter. I, as you can tell, I just talk a lot. Yeah. What's that? Some what's that them. Franklin quote? Um, something to the effect of like always surround yourself with men that are better than you. Mm, that's, that's exactly right. That's, uh, that's what pro- we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. And probably my, probably my closing thought, uh, even though I already had one, uh, is probably on that, you know, what I got out of masonry, all these contributions I can give back now from, you know, marketing and, and, uh, sales and technology experience <clears throat> and my professional career, a lot of that evolved through professional interests I had interests that I had, but I was able to operate with it in Freemasonry as like a playground or a sandbox almost. Yes. So it was a safe place for me to like continually pr- progress my craft, uh, not only in Masonry, but professionally contributing to the lodge with things that I either knew about or wanted to know more about uh, working with others who knew something here and something there, um, you know, testing it, it locally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then testing it professionally, seeing what works and then, you know, exchanging back and forth. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without Freemasonry. That's oh, I, yeah. absolutely. I agree. I agree. Well, I just want to say, uh, first and foremost, thank I'm you. I'm sorry. Kyle. We're all out of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just cut out some of Dennis's and we'll, we'll make it work. But uh, I want to say first and foremost, thank you, Kyle, for your time this evening. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know why it took this long to get you on the podcast because it has been a long time coming and uh, it was everything I thought it would be and more. And uh, we're going to do this again because as well, we need to out, do it. We need to do it at Hillcrest. Yeah. 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 That's what love, we need to do. We'd yeah. love to have you guys at Hillcrest. We'll do it again and, and we'll do it at Hillcrest and, and we'll jump into some more of this stuff. And yeah. yeah, it was everything you thought it would be and more mm-hmm. and Dennis. And Dennis, yes, yes, yes. So you do realize if I do come up there, I probably will bring Dennis with me. So just, just be aware. That's okay. We've got a pretty good Tyler. Yeah, you might, you might, <laughs> cover, you might cover everything in plastic just so you know you don't have to clean up after him yeah. or anything. Yeah, but, no, we, um, we would lo- we would love having you both. Appreciate that. And uh, I also just want to plug uh, upcoming officer leadership training. If uh, you are going into a Worms position or the worship master position. If you have not been to officer leadership training, uh, find the one that's going to be close to you and plug into it. It is going to be well worth your time. If you live in the Waco area, or even if you don't, and if you're willing to commute, definitely check out the, uh, the Waco festive board that's coming up. Uh, what is that? The it's next Saturday Week after. Yes. Not this Saturday, but the one after. Yes. I'm also the, eight, the 18th in the case 18th. this one airs a little late. Kyle, are you going to that? Uh, the Waco Festive Board. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have a six-month-old at home, so I don't get out of town. Uh, and out of all the years to not be able to get out of town, this is all with right. uh, with uh, Brad's year, most forceful Billings year. Like mm-hmm. it is a horrible year to not be able to get out of town that much. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah. I'm not. But uh, I, I wish I could be there, and I, I encourage everybody to go. I understand. Uh, there's also it has a, been uh, a magnificent year. That's for sure. There's a festive board in Sol Ross, uh, Sol Ross Lodge that I'm going to 
the 13th, which is going to be the same week as, as, um, as Waco. So I'm going to be hitting two festive boards in one week. Uh, There's also in Masonicon as well. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking uh, also uh, with OLT training and Masonicon and a festive board. And yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, if you haven't got a ticket to Masonicon, that is also going to be well worth your time. There's lots of good things you can be involved with here in Texas. uh, And uh, definitely uh, pick one, pick them all, get plugged in. It will will recharge your Masonic batteries. But you're absolutely right. If you want to, if you want to meet, some of the up and coming leaders. That's what you do. You go to these places and that's where they are. Yep. And they're learning off of each other. They're sharpening each other. And uh, to all these different kinds of events, whether it's esoteric, you know, the, the uh, floor school, the ritual or the historical things, the, you know, there's just all kinds of things. Yep. All right, brothers. Well, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, Don't forget podcast, to plug your shirt interview. Oh, yeah. Check out the Masonic Improvement shirt. Go to San Antonio Hat Company. I'll include the link below. Get yourself some Masonic Improvement swag. Make all your brothers jealous. Uh, improve yourself in masonry. Become better at your uh, ritual work. Just uh, all around look like a dapper gentleman. Get yourself a Masonic Improvement polo at San Antonio Hat Company. Thanks, brothers. And I guarantee and I you it'll you. make you look better than Justin. Later, brothers. Got one more in. See you guys. <laughs> Y'all take care. <laughs>